Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with International Justice Mission. Thank you to Philip Calvert and his team for the incredible work they do to bring awareness to the global problem of modern-day slavery. I'm proud to share with my audience that I have formalized my relationship with IGMs for becoming one of their Canadian ambassadors. Why? Because I believe we can end slavery in our lifetime, and I want to use my platform to be part of that mission. For many of you, hearing that statement may be a rallying cry. For the rest, it may be a moment of, wait, what? Slavery? Is that even a thing? For me, up to 12 to 18 months ago, it was the second. I did not even understand the problem or that it existed at the scale that it does. Currently, there are over 40 million people affected by modern-day slavery. 40 million people. After a chance meeting with Philip Calvert, National Director of Development for IGM Canada, my eyes were opened to the reality that poor people face the world over, a reality of violence that stops them from ever moving forward in their life. At first, this made me uncomfortable. Then it made me downright mad. But then it gave me hope. It is support of groups like IGM that will allow us to reach the goal of any slavery in our lifetime and give hope to people who may have none. I know this can be an uncomfortable conversation, and that is okay. That's why we're going to go on this journey together. Stay tuned as we host guests from IGM who will help educate us, as well as upcoming events that where we can meet the amazing people that make the work they do a reality. Please join me in supporting this incredible organization by visiting and donating to their cause at www.igm.ca. We will only succeed in any slavery in our lifetime if we work together to make a difference. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Miss Krista Rabidou. How are you, Krista? I'm great. How about yourself? I am very good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You and I have met a handful of times, mutual friends, small town Calgary conspiring, as it always does. I'm going to read your LinkedIn profile because I'm a professional creeper, of course, but I love it. <laughs> Canada, U.S. tax miracle worker, for starters, speaker, master seed planter, disruptor, leadership coach, and communication advocate. And currently, for to simplify this all, you are a partner at Anderson Tax Canada. So why don't we jump in the elevator here for a minute and give us a little bit of the quick elevator pitch. What is, uh, tell us about, tell us about Anderson for anybody who hasn't, hasn't heard and more specifically what you guys focus on. Sure. Yeah. So Anderson is a group of great tax professionals who are outside the box thinkers that do Canadian and U S tax specifically. And we work with people, businesses, corporations, estates and trusts that have any type of tax matter that they need assistance with. So it's at most of our people are designated on both sides of the border and can talk both sides of the border to help people. Uh, okay, that's pretty straightforward. You, you, you've got, you got me right out of the gate. Out of the box thinkers. I'm going to ask yes. an ignorant question that I know is probably wrong, but I'm going to ask it for the sake of the conversation here. Isn't it just a cut? Isn't tax cut and dried? Isn't it? We just have to pay what we have to pay, and we have to do what we have to do. How does an out of box thinker come into play on this, on 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 this on this topic? Is is there a little bit more um, creativity and strategy than than one might think at first blush? <laughs> well, yes and no. So we we like to say that we have custom tax solutions in that <clears throat> our our firm. Because we focus solely on tax and not financial statements and auditing and all of that, we're able to come in and look at people's situations with the lens of tax only. So we're not crossing any boundaries of financial reporting compared to tax, and we're not trying to be what we're not. And so when I say uh, out-of-the-box thinkers, it's, it's more that we're put in a place to come in with a tax lens only. 
and how can we come up with the best result and have a custom solution and have enough people on our team so that we're able to actually be tax advisors, not just tax preparers. I, yeah, that, I, yes. Okay. I really appreciate that. So you would work alongside, you would work alongside my accounting firm who's doing my year end and all of the, the logistics and the book, the bookkeeping paperwork and finalizing where then you would come in and say, okay, based on what we see here, here's how we would best manage your tax situation. Is that a safe way to kind of sum it up? That's right. Yep. Exactly. Okay, so let's 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 start. Let's give the audience something juicy right off the bat. Work remote, cross border, people. I'm going to live here for six months, and I'm going to work, and that's not going to affect me tax wise. And I'm not even thinking about it because maybe I'm a small business, or maybe I'm an, uh, a sole proprietor, I'm a consultant, or maybe I'm just a, actually a full T Ford employee. Let's talk a little bit. I know this is where you and I first kind of got into this conversation of maybe not as simple as people are portraying it to be, or maybe not certainly as cut as cut and dried. So, what are some of the things you're seeing? And let's get into to like what are the landmines and what are some of the risks we we the proverbial we may be putting ourselves in by some of this new way of working sure yeah you know with a canadian passport we're pretty blessed to kind of go anywhere we want and travel and explore the world and see see unknown lands as long as they have wi-fi we can work and mm-hmm. um, people are people have that i guess um global aspect now of how easy it is to work from anywhere but what people don't realize is there's actual rules in place in different countries that prohibit, I guess, if you will, people from working in in their country and earning income without paying taxes. Because if you're going to come in and take advantage of economics and and whatnot, they they want people want their piece of the pie. The the different governments. So even though it sounds wonderful to have the opportunity to kind of, I'm going to go down to. Florida for four months during winter and work from there just because I can, you know, yes, in essence, it's possible. Um, But there's two main things that people need to be careful about. One is your immigration status. Are you able to go down there and work legally as an immigrant? And two is how much tax are you going to have to pay to that country where you're working? Uh, it, those are the two main kind of landmines, I guess, if you will, for the individual okay. is when you cross the border, they say, are you going for work or pleasure? And if you're planning to go down there for four months and work from there, even though your employer or your business is in Canada, you're technically actually working down in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So you okay. would be going for work because that's what you're doing. Even though you're not in taking a job away from a U.S. citizen, which I know that's often the way it's been. Oh no, they're very concerned that you, you you coming in here taking a job away from a citizen. Even though I'm working for my let's just say I'm working for a Calgary-based company, but I happen to be in marketing, and really all I need is a computer like that. That's you right. know, and so that would still be considered. And I I I know so many people that that's not even crossing their mind. <laughs> No, it's not. I mean, it's and for a lot of time, for a lot of years, people have been doing this for years. Let's be honest. This isn't this isn't fair, anything yes, fair, new. Yes, fair enough. Very this good point. This is just <laughs> trending now, so people are more aware. Meaning, the government is also more aware <laughs> and <laughs> gotcha. putting more of a microscope, going, "Wait a second, are we missing something here? Are we missing some tax dollars?" Hence, I know, uh, for instance, my child just went down to the U.S. for six months. No, they did not work. But when they tried to leave the U.S., they were questioned very severely. What are you doing here? How how did you support yourself? What, luckily, they had savings, and, and that's what mm-hmm. they were doing. They were not working. But they are becoming more aware, and it's when you're leaving. And, you know, from an immigration standpoint, not even looking at tax, if you're down there working 
illegally, yeah. Uh, yeah. Technically, they can say you can't come back. Good for you. Yeah, you You're can you can be you years. can be border bound. You can be border bound, and that's a very real. Anyone I know who's gone through that, you don't just get over that either. That 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 is no. A, you no. do not want to find yourself on that list. <laughs> exactly, and and I mean, we all carry our cell phones around. We all carry our laptops around, and and the border patrol technically could open it up and say, well, let's see if you were working for the past six months. Wow, it's it's uh, all there, right? It's all there for them. Now, will they? Who knows? I mean, the one thing a lot of people need to understand is, yes, there's rules in place for immigration, and yes, there's rules in place for tax, but 90% of the time, it's all self-assessed. It's the right. honor system. Are you okay. doing it right? Are you using your ethics? Are you saying the proper thing? That's what all laws that are put in place are. I mean, it is, can you shoplift? Sure, you could shoplift. Is it legal? No. <laughs> the same with tax, right? Okay. Can you just say I'm not doing it? Sure, you can, but it's illegal, right? So it's they everything's all kind of self-assessed and you have to be aware of it and aware of the pitfalls as you said that once you cross that border and if you're there for 6 months working, especially if you go over 182 days and you're there for 183 days, you're 100% going to be bound by certain tax rules. Mm. So let's say, and I know you're not an immigration specialist, so I want to be careful. Uh, nope, like, kind of wait, right. wait, I yeah, I want to be careful wading into these two into these two conversations. Yeah. But let's say I'm deciding to go down there for three months, and I'm Canadian. I'm working for a Canadian company. I'm going to go live in Texas. So why not pick Texas? Yeah. Um, I want to do I want to do the right thing tax wise. If I do the right thing tax wise, what would that look like? And maybe the second portion, which again you're not an expert in. If I then file a tax, wouldn't they say, well, wait a second, now you're in breach from an immigration perspective. Like one would really trip the other alarm, right? Would it not? <laughs> There's kind of like four questions I just asked you all once. I apologize. Sure. <laughs> well, let's do the trip the alarm first because that's actually okay. pretty easy. Uh, government agencies don't talk to each other at this point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so immigration doesn't necessarily talk to CRA or the IRS and vice versa. Will they okay. get there? Probably with technology. They're going to be able to do cross AI <clears throat> looking yes. at different things. The, the, the algorithm do do will do it for point? them. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, governments do have a ways to catch up with technology, so they're not there yet to say that they won't be there. Uh, that's something who knows from a tax perspective, legally, what is required if you're working in a country, that's even people coming to Canada to work from another country or Canadians okay, going ways. elsewhere to work because <laughs> Canada has the same type of rules. The minute that you're working in a country doesn't say for an employer for a business for Location. anything like that the minute you're working in a country that income is subjected to that tax rules domestically so in the u.s rules they say uos tax under canadian rules if someone's here working they'll say uos tax now every country not every country that's not true most countries have tax treaties okay and so that's where you go in the situations to say, <clears throat> okay, the U.S. says I'm here three months, I owe them tax. Do I actually owe them tax? And this is just from the individual's perspective, not the business perspective. So from an individual's perspective, you would go to the tax treaties. And a lot of times the treaties kind of, they for employment income, let's, let's focus on employment because they all kind mm -hmm. of have different rules. There's different, um, it's like a ladder. Do you meet this test? If yes, do you meet this test? If yes, do you meet this test? Mm -hmm. And if you meet okay. all those tests under the tax treaty, you would be taxable in that country. The very first test generally under most treaties is your allocable income 
if it's greater than $10,000. Now that okay. fluctuates under treaties, but there's the $10,000 mark. And allocable income is basically saying, okay, you know, for the year I work 240 days. Let's say I was down in the U.S., as you said, three months. Okay. So we have 12 weeks, 60 days in the U.S. Out of 240, I worked for a U or for well in the U.S., I guess. Um, so you would say, all right, so 60 over 240, say I make $100,000 a year. I don't know what math is, but if well, we do it's quick, quick math, it, it's, we're going to be over 10,000. Yeah, it's 25%. I made 100 yeah. grand. Let's say we do it. We did 100. We're going to be over 10,000 at 25,000. Yeah, right? we're, we're at basically $25,000 exactly. of, of revenue that was earned while I was personally located in the U.S. where the work was being done for is irrelevant. Mm. Exactly. It's where okay. the person performing the work is. So you're over that 10,000. So you're already past that threshold. So you're okay. into so under test, the treaty. Test one, you've now checked. You've now moved to the next test. <laughs> right. So you're into no matter what you're in reporting, you have to report. Okay. Whether you're taxable or not, you still go to the next steps of the treaty. But it says, are you reportable? Yes, you're reportable. You're over that threshold. You have to report something. Uh, but all countries have something called a treaty return, meaning you're basically disclosing to them, I worked here, but it's not taxable because of the treaty if you say no to the other test, which most okay. people will say no to the other test because the other test is, was the, was the revenue or the salary borne by, um, let's say we're going down to the U.S. for, for your yeah. purpose, you're going to Texas, was the salary borne by a U.S. business or a U.S. permanent establishment? So most people would answer no to that because what okay. that means is your no your employer is Canadian so the salary was borne by a Canadian enterprise that doesn't have an establishment in the US and the expense wasn't claimed in the US. And really if you think about it logically they're just trying to match expenses and revenue. So mm -hmm. if there's a US company taking an expense for that salary, they want to make sure they're taxing the salary. So sense. in very general terms, right? So most people won't be taxable, but you do have to do the treaty protection returns to not be taxable. Because if you choose just to say, I'm not taxable under the treaty and not report anything, you still have to report that you're protected under the treaty. And the U.S. is one country where it kind of grabs everything it possibly can. And they have a rule that if you choose not to report on the treaty return, they can deny you the treaty because you didn't file a legitimate return. Ah, I see. To so after it. the fact, you're like, sorry, you missed that window's now closed for you because you didn't. That's right. The, you, did, you didn't follow the honor system. Mm -hmm. And so you'll have to pay. Basically, you'll be stuck in a double tax. They'll try and tax you. Yes, you can fight it through competent authorities and courts and whatnot. But, and there was a case recently where the IRS actually got denied that position, but they still try and take it. But you still, nobody wants to go through that rigmarole or whatever. The no, very hoop, Jump through hoops. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So yeah. what you're really trying to avoid is a double tax situation by focusing on the treaty and quote unquote following the right procedure. So let's just, if I'm doing a hundred, if I'm making a hundred grand in revenue, I'm down there, I did my 60 days, so 25%, so 25 grand in revenue. What would it cost me to actually report on that prop properly? Is it expensive? Is it an arduous process? Like, I'm just trying to think about what's the barrier for quote unquote doing the smart, AKA right thing. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I mean, everybody charges a different price for those returns. Yep. Um, there, we call them basically an insurance policy. You're paying for yeah, an that, insurance That's what policy. I'm hearing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're just reporting. I mean, yes, it is. You have to get a U.S. Uh, um, taxpayer number. You have to get all of those things. 
you know, you're probably paying anywhere, say a thousand bucks ish okay. to, to do this report annually. Now we've been solely focused on federal right now. Uh, I just want to take a step to the side because the U.S. has many over 50 countries in it, in yes, that every state has different point. rules. Um, you talked about Texas. Texas is great because there's no personal income tax similar with Florida. Now, if someone chooses to, say, go to California, that actually does not mm. even follow the tax treaty. You're in a totally different ball of game because California does not mm. follow the treaty at all in their legislation, so they can tax you. So even if you're not going to pay tax to the federal government, if you're down in California for 60 days working in California, you might have a bigger battle on your hands because California might want to tax that. Okay, so if you're if you, so before you even decide to make this adventure, and if you're planning on quote unquote following the rules, you really want to consider which state you go to is going to play a That's big right. factor. Yeah, yeah, mm, so do, yeah. Do so I mean, the big ones for Canadians is typically uh, Texas, as you said, Florida, California, and Arizona. Those are the really big states. California does not follow the tax treaty, so we always say avoid it if you can, unless you're planning on making a home there. Uh, Arizona does follow the tax treaty. They have personal tax, but they follow the treaty. So we're generally protected and okay in Arizona. And okay. Florida and Texas don't have personal tax. So they're okay. they're safe. Yeah, interesting. Okay. So uh, you you can mitigate your risk and you can make life, quote unquote, better for yourself by, by, That's right. by yeah. choosing. Yeah, from a tax perspective. From an immigration okay. perspective, it's different. Like, I'm, as we said, I'm not an immigration person. No, nope, 100%. I get it. Mm. Um, technically, you should not be working in the country without a proper work visa. Yeah, because basically under that context, and that's, you're there illegally if you're, if you're doing that. Te technically, right. you're, 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 in, you're in breach of, and U.S. Right. immigration, they take that very seriously from what I've always they been do. told. They do. Yeah. All countries. I mean, Canada is, Canada is no different right now. As well, a lot of mm. countries are, are, as I said, shining more of a spotlight on it because it's trending and so many people are talking about it. If we all just kept our mouths shut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair, yeah, no, fair enough. But I think the cat's out of the bag on this one. Everyone is just yeah. like, you can't, you can't go online and read an article about work remote and what. what exactly, exactly. So what I'm also hearing for myself, just putting my filter on it of like, yes, it's a, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. And yes, there's some hoops to jump through, but it is very doable. Um, financially it's actually can be not that negatively impactful if you do it right, depending on the number and depending on like if, if it's a lower portion and you're doing it for a two or three month period of time, depending on what you make and how much time you spend, it's not unrealistic to do it right or to follow the procedures to keep yourself uh, out of harm's way a little bit. From a tax perspective, that's right. Yeah. 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 From and immigration, and immigration is a whole. You don't want to go over six months in any 12 month period. So okay. a lot of people have this magic 183 days and they think in a calendar year they're okay. So let's say yeah. I'm going to go in September through April, eight yeah. months. That's actually over 183 days in a 12-month period. And that's where we start to actually run into issues with the business, right? Okay. So if you're going to be going down there, you really have to limit. We generally tell people for safety's sake, stay under 120 days. Okay. Uh, because the U.S. has multiple residential tests, uh, and we, we're talking about going down to the U.S., so we'll so stay focused on that. They have yep. the 183-day test in a year, but they also have what's called a substantial presence test that actually is a three-year look back. And it's mm, a, it's a formula that says if you're there uh, one-third of the second prior year, 
once or sorry, one sixth of the second prior year, one third of the prior year, and 100% of the current year, add those together. If they're greater than 183 days, then you're a resident of the U.S. So they kind of have, they look back many years. And that's why we always say, try and just stay on 120 days in the U.S. So then it keeps you, if you can, because then you, you're going to keep yourself out of the residential reporting in the U.S. Okay. And hey, I grew up in Quebec where literally every, like once you reached a certain age, you went to Florida for the winter. It was kind of the thing. And the 180 days is always what was talked about. Like, well, yeah. make sure you leave enough. And what if you're driving back and you get, and you have a breakdown, you can't make it and that can screw you here. And so I think that was something that I think gets circulated or it's more widely known, maybe not widely yeah. understood, but it's certainly a number. Well, not to get the reporting into... the reporting yep. is much greater if you go over the 183 days there is okay. domestic rules to get you out of residency if you're doing the the three-year rolling test the substantial presence test but you definitely try just stay clean <laughs> no I, I appreciate i'm hearing the undertone of your and other yeah. countries if i want to go to Dominican Republic, or if I want to go and sure. spend three months in Mexico, like they all have their different parameters. They do, but yeah, and I'm assuming you know working with even if I'm just a T Ford employee that wants to do this, would you still recommend reach out to your office? Like, would you talk to somebody at that level who's just a just an employee? And I don't want to minimize that, but it's very different working with a large organization, which we'll talk about next. When if I'm a company now doing business in the U.S., but for places to go for information, would you help somebody that's making 100 grand a year and wants to live in Mexico for three months? Yeah, we do actually work with a lot of people in their reporting. Okay. And, and you know, I think it's interesting. You said Dominican Republic. They, they have the same rule. I go there personally okay. myself okay. because my spouse is from there. So it's um, they have the same rule. You can't be there more than six months. And okay. if you're going to work there, you have to – like it's every country kind of has its reporting regime, and it's not – it's not Canada specific or US specific. They all want their tax dollars. Which those makes that sense. Have that's, tax. that's their that's a revenue source. Of course they of course they do. Because you're there yeah. using that you're there using their infrastructure, <laughs> driving on their roads, using their 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 water and all, all the things. Like I, I, I get it. So what yeah. what I'm hearing what I'm hearing is the underpinning is don't take it lightly that it, it is it's not insurmountable to do it right but doing it not following the rules can be definitely uh, for the long term perspective could be detrimental to you as an individual. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and as you said, you don't want to be border bound, especially if you're no. a person that loves traveling. <laughs> no, that would be terrible. I've always that's yeah. always been a paranoid fear of mine. Uh, don't do anything. Don't just say yes. Be very polite. Answer all their questions. Uh, so what about now the reality of I'm a small to medium sized business. We'll stay out of enterprise or larger scale because that's a whole different thing. But I'm a small sure. to medium sized business. And all of a sudden, because of the world of digital or e-commerce or whatever it might be, I've now got customers in the US all over like a handful, a handful of states. And I think I could easily think of a, companies that I know that are doing that selling products or services, specifically services. You don't have to ship anything. Services from a Canadian-based company, whether it's here or Ontario, into states in the U.S., and they're not really thinking twice about it. How does that look when we get into kind of small to medium-sized business? And let's just focus on Canadian companies doing business with U.S. customers. Sure. And when you, when you say Canadian companies doing business with U.S. customers, that's providing the services from Canada? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, let's, yeah. Let's, let's stick with a service company because they, you can, uh, I've got my computer, I'm in Calgary and I'm doing a project for a company in Texas. Sure. Let's just let's stick yeah. with a Texas theme here for a minute. Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> again, uh, that's moving to a different part of the treaty and, and, and tax act and code um, for, with respect to the business and what's called permanent establishment. The U.S. calls it U.S. trader business as their domestic law, and under the treaty, you look to the permanent establishment section of the, the tax treaty. Now, if you are providing the services from Canada, 
Regardless of where your customer is based from an income tax perspective, Canada treats that as Canadian income because all of the services are being provided from Canada. Yes. Uh, However, as you said, what is the U.S. going to say? Is it a U.S. trade or business? Now, there's different thresholds for that. Um, It depends on how much work you're doing, uh, how many customers you have, all of that. If not, uh, 90% of your income is U.S., you're going to be looking, do you actually have a U.S. trader business regardless of where services are provided? Okay. Uh, the other side of that, as I alluded to with the individuals, is the states. So the states have something called nexus, and you have to look at what do you meet their minimum threshold for nexus for income tax and sales tax. So okay. similar to how Canada has GST, all states have a different type of sales or value-added tax mm-hmm. to, to goods or services. And that that will vary depending on which state. Some states are very low and you have 10 transactions, you're into their sales tax regime, whereas other states are, you know, you need to make a million dollars before you have to worry about sales tax in our in our state. So it is when you're looking at e-commerce, if you will, providing yeah. services through through digital forms, uh, you, you really have to look. And there was a case, oh, golly, it probably was about five years ago. It was such a very old case, and it was talking about digital uh, floppy disks, the sale of floppy okay. disks, because that's okay. how we used to do things, right? We used to send a disk, and there you go. You had e-commerce. So that was <clears throat> overruled, um, <clears throat> I think, about five years ago, maybe longer, in that <clears throat> it, it switched it to the digital format. Okay. So basically saying, you know, we don't have floppy disks anymore. So if you're sending and selling things digitally, we yeah. want to be able to tax those regardless of where the services are performed. And this is a state, as I said, state-specific for sales okay. tax. So as a small to medium enterprise, mere fact of you performing the services in Canada, yes, from an income tax perspective, federally, you're fine, you're protected. However, you do have to make sure you're looking at the different state rules for sales tax. And usually, a lot of times, clients come to me and say, well, how will they know? As as I said, how are they going to yeah. know, yeah. right? Um, where we see the biggest issue come up for e-commerce companies is when they go to sell their business okay. eventually. Okay. And under due diligence, they come up and say, hey, and we've had to deal with a number of companies coming forth and voluntary disclosures because they never collected, paid, remitted sales tax of any form. Okay. And then on sale of their business that they're finally going to go, we built our business, we're going to sell it for millions of dollars. Hooray. The buyer says, eh, I don't think so. You're not compliant. So it's you really have to kind of look. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I with all my that. clients, I always say, what's your end game? And I, from the minute you're going to start your business to the minute you're out, what's your end game? Are you looking to sell? Or is it generational? Is it, what is it? Because a lot of times when you're doing tax planning, it, today is not the issue. It's tomorrow. Mm, I really appreciate that. So I'm going to go buy a company. Now, all of a sudden I've uncovered what is to me, the buyer, a liability, a risk. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Because, and also if there, if, and if that's an ongoing percentage of my revenue or part of what I'm buying is that 30% of your revenue is in the U S but yet you have not been tax compliant for the last five years, things could, that, that portion of that business and the value attached to it could evaporate and a a, a legal bill and a series of battles and all all kinds of things. And it's, 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 it's always much more Hmm. expensive to disclose past non-reportings than it is to just do it right. 
during during the actual the cycle yeah. that it occurred in. Mm. That's right. Yeah. So if I'm going to look to start selling services in the U.S., would I then literally start like say as a marketer? I'm going to run a campaign in Texas because I'm going to figure out what I need to do to be in Texas first. Cause I also see where that's the biggest opportunity for my market. Like rather than just blanketing the U S go, I'm going to run a online campaign and I'm going to sell my services all across. That is a reporting nightmare. Like you would have to have someone like yourself kind of part-time because every week there's a new transaction coming from a new state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in the, like I said, a lot of States have de minimis reporting requirements. Okay. So sometimes what we do with our clients is they say, you know, I'm going to look at campaigning in these 20, 10 or 20 different states. Tell us what all okay. the de minimis is that we need to watch for. And okay. then as the business can come back and they now have kind of that toolbox, if you will, okay. to say, yeah. all right, here's my, here's what I need to watch for. And if I go over this, then, then we're reporting. Now, if we're, if we're talking, you know, a, a business that's, say a million dollars and ten thousand dollars in each state chances are they're not gonna have report okay it, yeah. it's it's pretty low risk it's it's when you're getting into the hundreds of thousands of revenue in a state yep. that you Which need to sense. definitely watch for yeah you're a 10 million dollar company and you might be doing 150 grand in texas you might be doing 50 grand over exactly. here. you might you might have a you might things might take off in some other state and you do t- right. do a quarter million bucks it's but if you know what you're doing you can track all that through the process so when it comes to reporting time it's not like you're having to go back and figure all this out exactly exactly and it and it we've we've talked about services and goods are goods are no different if you're looking to sell goods into the states it's the same they actually have lower threshold than service because it's not your that and there's so many different things where's the title transfer etc right so depending on depending on what it is where probably where it was manufactured that's right yeah, yeah if it's manufactured in the u.s and you're just drop shipping it to somewhere else but you're selling it from canada oh it's so complex what a puzzle what, yeah. a, what a puzzle Okay, now I'm still I'm still sitting in my I'm a fifteen million dollar company, I'm a twenty million dollar company, and I'm having trouble hiring talent in Canada. This is a common sure. this is a, I think I have this conversation weekly with my buddy with my friends in business. Um, yes. I wanna now hire somebody who's working the US. I go online because great, they can work anywhere now. But I'm a Canadian company <clears throat> with fifty employees or hundred employees that are all Canadian, and all of a sudden now I wanna work with I wanna get services from a US based individual. Maybe an FT, maybe a full time or maybe a contractor or maybe someone I'm gonna use twenty hours a week. How would I start man? I'm getting really specific on my questions. Maybe some of these are self serving, I'm not gonna lie to you. But I'm th- <laughs> I'm thinking about my own situations and conversations I've had. Yeah. And certainly around the table in my executive group, this these conversations are coming up all the time now. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. How would so- I how would I look how would I look at that? Mm-hmm. So the minute that you hire someone from a different country, you're into the payroll reporting regime of that other country. And I and I'll I'll even go kind of take a step back in that if say you hire me, a Canadian, but I say, Hey Tyler, I want to go work down to the US for six months. Mm, okay. Do you mind? I'm now a US employee of you. Right. And oh, and that okay. there's payroll reporting for that person for business in the US. So regardless if they're a resident of the US or not, you're in the payroll reporting regime. Whether the person lives in the US or it's me saying, I want to go work there for, for five months, do you mind? And you say, Ah, no problem. You can do your work from anywhere. But it actually for the business, you're now in the payroll reporting rules. Hmm. Meaning you're supposed to register as a business, get a taxpayer number, withhold my U.S. payroll if I'm sub the and and remit it and do the W-2s, which is the equivalent to the T-4 in Canada. Okay, okay. W- would I at so, that point be re- withholding twice from you? 
Because technically, uh, yes, yeah. technically you would. Yeah. Now there is, the, but there is there is um, waivers available, both in the U.S. and Canada, to say, okay, uh, we have some clients who work half the time in the U.S. The government or the company does everything correctly, so we apply to Canada, CRA, and say half their income is actually taxable in the U.S. So okay. we need a redu- we need a waiver to reduce the withholdings required in Canada. And so the mm-hmm. governments do have those mechanisms in place to apply for permission to reduce withholdings. Um, but you do, again, it's you have to apply and ask and and do it. You have to do all the things. So, so then, yeah. Tyler, okay. you want to hire Joe down in the U.S., hey? I do, I do. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Joe, Joe is a U.S. person. Joe is going to bring your business into U.S. reporting for payroll. Dependent on what Joe is doing, he uh, might create a permanent establishment for your business in the U.S. as what well. What if, yeah, so if he's working on, yeah, so depending on, so if he's working on, he's in Texas and he's working on cust- clients' business work in Texas, yeah. but it's routing through the Calgary office, let's just, or Toronto or whatever, pick a city, yeah. um, versus, no, he lives there, but he's only working on Canadian clients. Yeah. There's so much it, nuance it, here. <laughs> there is so many nuances, exactly. And you're going, you're going to be going through the different steps of the treaty, uh, Article 5, saying, do I have a permanent establishment in the U.S.? Now, similar to individuals, businesses have a treaty reporting. So if you okay. have a U.S. trader business under U.S. law, you look to the treaty and say, no, actually, I, I may have under domestic law a trade or business, but the treaty says I'm not taxable because I don't have a permanent establishment. You still have to file that insurance policy, if you will, to protect okay. yourself of the treaty saying well, so, I don't have it. And and you have to look to the states. Do the states say you're taxable or not taxable? And so, then you have to consider which state you're in versus as right. well as, yeah, sorry, yeah. United States as well as the, as well as the state. Correct. Oh, wow. So yeah. what I'm really what I'm really hearing is financially it needs to be quote unquote wor- worth it because you're definitely yeah. increasing your costs or your 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 back end your back office fees to actually process this whole thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it, you had mentioned mm-hmm. briefly about contractors. So a lot of people mm-hmm. say, well, I'm just going to bring them on as a contractor because yeah. um, that's easier. I don't have to do reporting and withholdings, et cetera, et cetera. Now, empl- empl- sorry, contractor versus employee is actually defined term analogy i know mm-hmm. people don't think they is and they can just call someone a contractor if they choose to but it's actually a defined term under all tax laws of what is an employee and what is a contractor both in canada and the u.s and if you're controlling that person dictating everything telling them what the work they need to do the hours they need to work chances are even if you call them a contractor they're an employee employee yeah. sorry yeah. I've, I've been through that so, criteria before and most most yeah, of the so time i know oh, it's a contractor and if you do the the test it doesn't hold up that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so there are companies out there, though, that do this um, for businesses. Mm. And I've actually used one of them for an, a, a person before in that they moved to another country, but we really wanted to retain their services, but we didn't okay. want to create for the business. So what happened is they became an employee of this intermediary company and we contracted with the intermediary company Mm, and they managed everything for the reporting and whatnot. Now, again, it costs money, but if it's a person that you're like, I need this person. Totally. It's an investment. 
And, and right now we all know that the talent wars are real and the arms race for, for, for humans and, and, and capable people. Like everywhere you turn, I don't care what industry in, there seems to be a talent. And I've, I've had a few companies on the show and I've had a few talks about certainly a U.S. tech-based companies setting up those intermediaries in Canada, specifically, you know, Toronto, but now even more so in Western Canada, where yeah. they can now staff up, where there's lower cost of living. Canadian, I know the immigration for, you know, certain countries are, are very difficult to get into the U.S. where Canada has more of an open policy. And a lot of those are countries that produce tech talent so i'm hearing it kind of happen all over the place which i think for calgary is a positive if in the sense it gets some more talent here that gets established and builds a life here and maybe they're working in the u.s and if that doesn't work out well there's there's lots there's every day there's more tech companies in calgary that are looking for that kind of talent as well Mm -hmm. well exactly and i think you know they they have right now the expedited visa for tech people in alberta that they've just Mm -hmm. rolled out right so and it is, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to to being here, as you said, the opposite way versus people going down to Florida. Yes, it's beautiful in the winter, but um, there is there is a lot of pros, I guess, if you will, to, as you said, the cost of living, the, the mm-hmm. tax rates. We're actually, it, it's quite funny because I uh, quite often I hear people who live here and are, well, I'm going to go down to the U.S. because I don't want to pay the Canadian tax. It's so expensive. And, and I, it's interesting because I always look at a global and we're kind of going off topic here, but we no, no, on, I like, where, no, no, let's talk about it. Let's, I love it. <laughs> we go on a global scale of, okay, the federal tax in the U S sure it's lower. Um, but if you're going to California, let's say you're actually probably going to pay the same amount of taxes if you live in Alberta hmm. for your income. But your cost of living of your houses, your property tax, your your sales tax, your everything else is going to be more. Your insurance. So, where's your where's your scale? What are you trying to balance here? Yeah, and whenever right. I'm talking to people about planning, we actually have many clients right now, and this is a positive. Um, big tech people that are from California that we're talking to to help them immigrate to Alberta right now. Oh, interesting. So that's great. It's, that's an it's, awesome story. It's great because they want to get out of the grasp of California, but that just goes to show what people don't realize is we actually have, there are cons, of course, there's cons in every taxing system, Yeah. Um, but we're actually one of the easiest tax systems to, to navigate. Compa- we're way okay. easier than the U.S. <laughs> How does, you know, since we're down this road, and I love this conversation, um, Alberta versus BC versus Saskatchewan versus Ontario. I moved here from Quebec and there's always, I have lots of friends who are like, oh, same same paycheck, but I'm getting X amount more because I'm losing less tax, you know, in Quebec and Ontario right. being right up there. Is Alberta still one of the leading places to be from a tax advantage perspective? It is when you get to the higher numbers. Um, okay. We... It's it's every tax bracket's pretty yes. uh, scaled, whereas Canada or sorry Alberta we have we start at ten percent and some provinces start lower than that. But once okay. you kind of scale up to say a hundred thousand, as we talked about earlier, okay. you start to see the differential, especially compared to BC. BC is one of the highest right now. Uh, Quebec is another really high province, mm-hmm. um, but uh, Saskatchewan actually has pretty high taxes as well, surprisingly, because they're they're a small population, but that's why because well that's why because less people to, 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 to foot the bill right to carry the burden. that's right it's a same land mass but they have less people to foot the bill right so so they have a higher tax rate so it's alberta still does have tax advantages um even 
even if you're talking about value-added tax, we don't have HST, whereas every other province has, has a sales tax. Don't, don't even talk about it. <laughs> I, I grew up in Quebec and lived a lot in Ontario. I moved, and I have friends that, are like, my in-laws are actually out on the coast right now doing a, like, retired, building a van for traveling. And they came here to buy parts, and my father-in-law, because that's what he focuses on, he's like, I saved $4 here and $8 here. And he goes, it's, it was like, by the time I added it all up, it was like $100 less for the exact same because he had it all figured out just from tax and also, you know, being out on the island, there was a bit of an island tax as well. So yeah. it's very noticeable. You don't have to buy a lot of things to see the difference of impact, even from BC. It is, it is very noticeable. It's, it's true. So, so yes, I still think Alberta does have the advantage on hmm. tax. Um, it, there can always be better. But of course, well, we as always you want, said, well, yes, we have to pay for the infrastructure somehow. Yes, and um, if anybody does a lot of driving, um, you will see the difference the minute that I go east <laughs> and west quite often to Saskatchewan and BC. And literally, as soon as you cross the Alberta road, or the roads get worse. <laughs> I had a friend who lived Narrower, in Saskatoon, smaller, and she said her her car so, got destroyed because like potholes the size of like, half the size of her car, like which we just don't yeah. have that here. And I, I what, the underpinning. There's so many lessons that you put forward, and so many things that you said. But what I really loved is you know. Uh, under, understanding different perspectives. Oh my God, tax is terrible. Well, compared to what? Oh, I'm getting taxed high. Well, in reference to what? Like educating yourself like, oh, traffic's really bad here. I'm like, well, have you driven in Toronto recently? There's always a relevant and we get so micro-focused on the thing that we feel is our pain versus like, actually, you know what? When you've net it all out, it's actually pretty good or at least know what you're comparing is what I, what I heard That's loud right. and clear you say. That's right, exactly. So, you know, kind of the subject at hand, going and working remote, it sounds glamorous, it sounds great, um, but you have to, it's, it's, it's kind of, even when you're thinking about goods, buyer beware, what are, yeah. what's the downside? What am I missing? Right. Yeah, what, what do I not know? And what do I not know exactly? And it's, we all, I, I have a saying when I'm teaching my, my young students here that the best tax professionals are the ones that say, I don't know. And if a tax professional is willing to say, I don't know, you have the right professional because there are so many nuances out there that if someone tries to say they know all of it off the top of their head, uh, you run a very big risk of, of crossing a line that shouldn't have been crossed. Beware the guru. <laughs> What's that? Beware of the guru, the self the yes, self exactly. guru. I mean, there's some out there. There's some of that are like, there oh my is. God, they have this act memorized, but but most of us don't. <laughs> if I'm a if I'm a small to medium sized business or a mid mid to larger business, is there anywhere I'm an individual that's thinking about, you know, working quote unquote abroad, any resources or places you recommend people to go and obviously chatting with you guys and getting that recommend. Sure. If I'm a, if I'm a business, I'm not going to, I'm just going to call you for sure. There's no question. I learned that thing they tell you when you start a business, have a good lawyer, a good account, a good tax person. It's all true. It's a hundred percent true. That's, yeah. Who uh, I can't remember whose book it was. It was a good accountant, a good lawyer and a good insurance provider. <laughs> Those things are a hundred percent true. And if you don't, you will, you will somewhere step on a landmine, but is there any, like, yeah. is there a place where you can go that there's any type of research that someone can do? Cause it feels like this is so convoluted and you got to go down 10 different rabbit holes to find, it and is. then you, and then you got to try to tie all the nuances together and make, and have it make sense for you as your own personal experience. Yeah. Well, first all, I'll say where not to go. Don't go to Google. Okay. Um, <laughs> Google, Google's great as a starting point. I can't tell you how many times I get clients coming to me saying, I've tried looking this up and I get so many different answers. And yeah, because there's so many different nuances, as you said, to, to if you go Y, then yes. If you go N, then no. Right. So you have to kind of, it's everything's a flow chart. 
the the government agencies all actually have really good uh let's call it dummy for tax because that's one of those yeah, books yeah. right yep. where they where they put it in layman terms of the very generalities of if you're doing this watch out for this and so the u.s has a huge book i think it's like 300 pages on tax for non-residents that uh, publication 519 i think that you can go through and and look and it's all pdf you can do word searches and you can kind of do all yeah. of that and cra in canada vice versa people coming to canada has similar non-tax for non-resident dis, uh, publications on their website so I would say if you're going to start to do some research on your own, look at the government agency websites, not okay. articles. And the other thing about articles is laws change every year. And so if you're reading an article, say, a good example is the U.S. completely overhauled their tax system in 2017. And so we have people that look at advice or an article from 2015 that is actually irrelevant because the law mm, changed. That's good. Oh, that's so great you advice. need to be very careful. And that's why I said, don't use Google. It's good as if you know what you're looking for, it's a good starting point. But if you don't know what you're looking for, it's a very dangerous starting point because it can lead you down a irrelevant path. That is such, that is such, just because it's online doesn't mean it's true. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Krista, thank you. Exactly. It's like, I love, this is a fantastic conversation. I love one, your, your command of the situation, but also your honesty around how much nuance there is. And literally every single situation is going to be unique in some way. There's going to be a factor that pushes it. One yes yeah. puts you down another. It's like a choose your own adventure. You say no here, you turn to page 42. If you said yes, you turn to page 26. Feels a little, exactly. a, a little bit like that. But what I'm really hearing is don't, exactly. don't take it lightly. What you don't know can and might actually hurt you down the road. It can hurt you. It can hurt your business. I mean, you can be banned from doing business. You can like, it, there's so many different nuances that, as you said, you don't want to be border bound. And if, if you don't want to be border bound, make sure you're doing the proper homework to get it done correctly. The first, time. the first time and it's, and it's not a one time. Don't look at it again. You want to make sure you're a, a partnering with, um, with an advisor who stays up to date because as I said, the laws are constantly changing mm -hmm. in, in all countries. Canada's had, I mean, we've felt like we've been in university the past five years because both Canada and the U S have had such unprecedented changes in their tax laws um, that hasn't been seen. in. I mean, I've been practicing for over 20 years and it's been very, um, very trying on the profession, I guess, if you will, to keep up to date. And I, I can only imagine as <clears throat> I'm a taxpayer too. So I, <laughs> I have to keep up to date for my personal stuff. And part of me has a lot of sympathy and empathy for the taxpayers because the burden of reporting is becoming so burdensome that how does a small business or, you know, someone making hundred thousand dollars a year keep up? Right. Right. Well, the globalization of everything, uh, the technology, like so many factors and what they, you know, most technology moves at 10 times the speed of legislation and, and, and regular right. and regulatory. And you, like That's you right. said, an old dusty tax book from 10 years ago is so far is like 10 cycles out of date from a technology perspective. That's right. Yeah. We get new tax acts twice a year. Oof. Yeah. You know what? I feel slightly overwhelmed, but that's okay. Maybe you should be because that'll let you know you should take it seriously. I wasn't looking for this to be a one and done. Like, well, I talked to Krista for an hour and now I know what's going on. I'm good. Yeah, no, right. But usually this is a situation where the more that you know, the realize the more you don't know. <laughs> exactly. And I, I'm not even going to profess that I know it all. I know where to find answers. I know how to find answers. And that's what, as again, I always say the good tax professional says they don't know. I always say, 
you need to know how to find the answers and where to find the answers depending on the specific situation. And oftentimes our clients are like, your questionnaire is so big. And it's like, well, if it wasn't big, we wouldn't ask the right questions to get the right answers. Yeah. And then I give you the wrong advice. And then a year later, you're like, oh, you sent yeah. me down the wrong path. Like you, like you said, the consequences, exactly. the consequences of a, of a, of a, of a wrong direction are, are very, are very, yeah. very real. Okay, exactly. well, let's, let's not, let's, let's not leave too heavy at the end. Everyone's like, oh my God, no. I'm totally overwhelmed. <laughs> no, you know what? At the end of the day, there are people out there that know it. Uh-huh. There are, as I said, and on the government agencies, they have actually pretty good publications as starting points of what to watch for. So if you're a person that loves to read and loves to research yourself, just, just you know, some little light reading. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it is pretty sleeping. layman terms, so... Which that yeah. I wouldn't have thought that, and that's always that's not always where I go for inf- for information. Like, oh, go to a government site; that'll be really clear and forthcoming. But to to hear your comment, to saying that it is and that it's out there, and don't don't get into outdated articles. That's another piece of good advice because you might be reading something and then you go, "When was this actually published?" And you'll say, "Like, it yeah. could be completely irrelevant." That's really good. Yeah, exactly. I'm quoting exactly. Quote, quoting what you read on the internet is always a bit risky. Um, c- c- <laughs> ca. You guys are based here in Calgary, but you have 167 offices around the world. There isn't a jurisdiction that you probably can't can't put your foot in and or put your put your impact in if the question if the question comes up. And I've really enjoyed okay. this conversation. Thank you. I definitely had some self serving questions. I I, I I worked in there. <laughs> no problem. Krista, Anytime, what, my what, friend. What's the What's the best way for uh, you're on LinkedIn and you're you're very active on LinkedIn? I appreciate that. What's the best way for people to get yeah. a hold of you if they, just, if they want to have a chat? Mm. Yeah, so you can either check out our website, as you said, ca.anderson.com, and, and we're all listed on there with our contact information, our emails. Uh, Krista Rabadou, as you said, Rabadou. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I can't help but throw that French accent in there. That's okay. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate that you knew how to say it. <laughs> uh, you can give me a call or hit me up on LinkedIn, as you said, Krista Rabadou, R-A-B-I-D-O-U-X. I'm very active. Um, you can always message me and I'll, I'll get back in touch with you and give you my email through there. Cause it's easier than trying to say it on here. Absolutely. Well, Krista, thanks so much for taking the time and sh- for sharing your knowledge and for what you do. I really appreciate it. That was a great call. Thank you. Thanks.